Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Ono Sullivan and today's guest on the show is Sarah, guitarist in Pillow Queens who are just about to release their debut album, the long-awaited In Waiting. It's out on September 25th via their own Pillow Queens records and it is well worth the long time that we've been waiting. I think it's an absolutely brilliant album. It's instantly one of my favorite releases of the year and I hope it does all of the best things for Pillow Queens because as you'll hear uh, they've had a tough year as most bands have but they were planning on heading over to South by Southwest earlier in March um, along with the likes of Outremond and Alvaretti and Alas that was cancelled so much more was cancelled and it felt like this was going to be the year of Pillow Queens but I think it still might be. They're completed by Pamela Connolly Rachel Lyons and Kathy McGuinness. And I got to talk to Sarah about 10 days, eight days out from the release of In Waiting. You'll recognize some of the tracks from it. Stick around to the end of the show to hear one of my favorites at the moment, Handsome Wife, which has already been released as a single. Then there's likes of Gay Girls and Holy Show as well, which have all been released. How Do I Look as well has been released as a single, but there's some killer uh, new tracks in there that you wouldn't have heard before the likes of Harvey and Donna Mead in particular jump out Harvey is an album track that we do talk about in this and if you're thinking they have a song called Harvey I wonder what that could be about chances are you're on the right track with uh, what you're guessing it might be about on the day that we talked Pillow Queens had announced an Ireland and UK tour for 2021 taking place across February March April and even a couple of dates into May. Fingers crossed uh, they happen. They're playing the likes of Mike the Pies in Listowel on the 19th of February. I think that's actually already sold out. They've got two dates announced in the Button Factory in Dublin later that month as well. And then they're also hitting Kilkenny, Galway, Limerick, Belfast and Dock, Derry. Sarah says that they've got some shows hopefully lined up for Cork as well and then they're also going to the UK playing Glasgow, Manchester, London, Brighton, Liverpool, Birmingham, Bristol. Oh it's gonna be such a good year for Pillow Queens in 2021. I talked to all four members of Pillow Queens about 18 months ago in Cork after they had just played a show in Cypress Avenue for the Music Cork Showcase. You can go back and listen to that if you just type in TPOE Pillow Queens. It should come up in all of your usual podcasts apps it's tpoe 131 50 episodes ago 18 months ago time flies in the time of coronavirus what? What? so that might give a basis to the start of pillow queens how they formed and stuff and maybe we'll take things a little bit further with sarah now finding out how the creative process works in pillow queens what they're hoping to achieve with this album and how touring with Soakwads, which happened about two weeks after that conversation in Cork 18 months ago. So you'll get all that more in the next 50 minute or so chat. And as I say, stick around to hear Handsome Wife at the end and make sure you're buying In Waiting from Pillow Queens this Friday, September 25th. Okay, so here's myself and Sarah having a great conversation about the amazing Pillow Queens. Congratulations on the debut album, a long time coming. How are you feeling today about a week out from the release of the album? I'm excited again. It keeps kind of coming in peaks and troughs of like excitement and then terror and then excitement again. Um, But I'm excited now and it feels good. It feels like we're actually coming to a good place. Did you have it ready to go? I mean, I talked to you about 18 months ago, the day after you played a gig in Music Cork. And I think that you were in the middle of recording, maybe. You had more stuff to do up in Donegal with Tommy McLaughlin. What has it been like since then so i think we recorded maybe half of it by then and then we had to go back in to finish it off i think we went in twice more just because of work and whatever else we needed to go back into the studio to finish stuff off so we properly finished in january of this year and the plan was to go to south by southwest in march and then release in april may time if we found kind of the right people the right team to release with because we wanted to focus sort of we knew we'd release it at home one way or another but we didn't know how to release it internationally without like a label partner or a distribution partner or whatever and we had all these meetings set up but for South by Southwest that obviously didn't happen so when we got that news we were like okay obviously we need to sort of delay things a little bit to try and figure out what the plan is going to be Um, and then we decided we'd do a self-release and just started looking into what that looked like 
Um, so it's been really hectic, actually, since kind of the start of all this lockdown stuff. Obviously, we haven't been playing any gigs, so there's been a huge change in that respect. But like we're running essentially a record label at the moment. And that's a whole new thing to all of us. So we're really busy. Um, I'm particularly loving that side of things because I love the business end of everything. So I'm like secretly delighted that we had to do a self-release. Um, but yeah, definitely missing the music side of things. What top tips would you have for people self-releasing that you've particularly enjoyed or that they might not <laughs> expect? I mean, I'm talking to you today as you've posted out some albums uh, internationally and uh, it seems like expect to spend more time in the post office. Then. Loads of time in the post office. Allocate way more time for preparation than you think you need. Um, get about 100 spare Sharpies for writing envelopes or print labels. I don't know why we didn't do that, but we hand wrote all the labels and it took us so long. So yeah, maybe print out labels. That's my, my top tip. Wow. Um, it's so hard not to talk about COVID and lockdown with an artist who are, who's releasing an album now, like kind of six months on from from it hitting. I mean, when you look back, you're like, oh, fuck it. It's, it's just so annoying that it's it. Or is it just kind of like, we just have to get over it, you know? I mean, did you have that absolute... I mean, a lot of people would have, that kind of wallowing in that initial uh, wave of COVID but then you were just like let's just do it let's just self-release the album I think we didn't know how long it was going to go on for obviously nobody did um, so the initial shock factor for us was when we weren't going to go to South by Southwest and we needed to reevaluate just kind of a, a really short term um, damage control plan and we did that and once we'd done that it kind of didn't matter what, how this played out I mean obviously it mattered for tour plans and that kind of thing but generally releasing we knew once we put it off initially that we were going to put it out in September. We decided on a date. We decided that we were going to try and look for distribution in different territories and that kind of thing. So we just started like focusing on that. So we definitely wallowed initially. We were very lucky that we were actually in my parents' house um, when we got the news. So we were actually able to wallow together for one night. And I think we, we'd opened a bottle of wine. We were kind of doing a celebration sort of thing. And we were ordering takeaway and then we got the news while we, we were like one glass in and we we're like, oh, OK. And then we just like opened another bottle of wine. So it was like, OK, we'll just wallow tonight, but it'll be OK. Um, and it was kind of nice also because there had been a lot of talk of like, will it happen, won't it happen? And there was this weird unease around everything. So to kind of get the confirmation that it wasn't going to happen and that things were going to be like properly on lockdown I was like okay well at least now there's nothing we can do about it it's out of our control we can't go to texas it's not you know it's not there's nothing we can do about it but yeah i think there was a, definitely a certain sense of wallowing but then we just went focused on what we were going to do with the record and then it felt like we were just motivated again did it kind of take some of the pressure off as well like i don't know did you feel any particular pressure like i mean i hate to use the word hype but there did seem to be like a lot of hype building around you and that must have been great initially but then I guess it all kind of gets wiped out and all of your plans for the summer like literally festival season was wiped out this year and I mean I guess you're kind of releasing it now without any pressure would that be fair or, or are you still kind of thinking like we do want to you know you do have goals for this album I suppose we definitely have goals for the album we we want it to go far we don't want it to just we don't want people who already know the band to be the only listeners of the album. We want new people to listen to the album. Um, and I think there's definitely still a certain amount of pressure and maybe that we've just put that on ourselves, but because this is the album that we've been working towards for so long, there's definitely a sense of pressure around it. And I think had we done festival season, we would have felt like we'd had an opportunity to prove ourselves and that that hype was justified, maybe, hopefully. Um, whereas now... We've been quiet. Everybody's been quiet. We didn't even do any kind of live stream stuff or anything. So now the album's kind of being released from uh, like very little backing. Um, and it's just a really strange starting point for an album. We're really proud of the album, like listening back to it now. And we've kind of listened together to the album as well, which is a nice thing to do. It just, it definitely is, it's what we wanted it to be. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about listening to it together. You just like, I mean, it seems like so many people can just hear like the bad notes or something that they do differently. Like, were you the same or were you, or were you like, fucking nail this song, nail this take? 
for the most part oh we're we're obnoxious <laughs> like you know this from the last interview we did like we're our own biggest fans that's the worst thing and maybe that's where the pressure would come from because we were like well we think it's brilliant so we really hope it lands elsewhere but uh, yeah anytime we're listening to, to it together we're just like oh that's really good that is really good and maybe it's because we've had so long since we recorded it that now when you go back to it it's like oh yeah remember that and we did that in the studio oh my god you can totally hear your guitar there oh my god and it's like it's a really nice experience tell me about uh recording with tommy because uh you t- we talked about it 18 months ago in that initial podcast interview if people want to go back and listen to it. but um tell me uh the kind of effect that he had on the sound if he had any and kind of what stage the songs were at when you went into the studio like were they all finished ready to go and he just kind of like you you just do the air part don't worry about it and will make the the song shine tommy was part of the album journey from the very beginning and um, which we didn't even realize we went in to do one single with him and that was the plan just to see if we could work well together it was the first time we met him was when we just arrived at his front door just being like cool let's do a single and we worked really well with him i think working with him was the beginning of our transition to what we think is now like our album sound so it's kind of more widescreen version of pillow queens so when we started it was very like three chords choppy could play this in a garage and it'd be fine whereas the new stuff we're like oh we could play it in a garage but it's not really going to translate so this was kind of the beginning of what we saw to be our growth I suppose um and kind of writing and recording songs for bigger stages so Tommy was a huge part of that Tommy has toured with an incredible musician he's an incredible musician himself he's an amazing producer he's a genius and he's a weirdo which makes him really easy to work with because nothing you say is is going to be met with like a with a raised eyebrow he's just like yep yeah, cool we'll try it yep yeah, whatever and like he just makes these random noises while he's recording you or whatever and you're like what was that but he's just great in terms of whether the songs were finished absolutely not um, and I think that's probably why we had to go in a few times but the last time we went in in January we only had the bones of our closing track Donna Mead we'd played it through like maybe once and then Tommy was like just go into the live room play it through a few times we'll, I'll capture like a demo version of it and then we can talk it through so that's exactly what we did and then when we listened back to the demo we were like can we just use that like on, it was like an energy had been captured And then it was about trying to reproduce that energy. So I think like Tommy um, really can capture the live energy of a song really, really well. Um, And that's something that was really important to us. Um, But he definitely has a huge, huge stamp on the album. What was the uh, first single that you went into the studio with him? Was it Gay Girls? It was Gay Girls, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I think we talked about that on the last podcast. So Mm. um, maybe we don't need... Should we talk? I don't know what what else is there to say about it. Like, I mean, it kind of stands the test of time. I think it's probably, I don't know, is it the biggest sounding song on the album? But maybe it is like a good first introduction for people to Pillow Queen still, isn't it? I think so. I think even the title is a good introduction as to what we're going to be about um, more long term. But it was like, I know when we first started writing that song, the we always set up a Spotify collaborative playlist when we're writing a song so that we know what sounds everyone is thinking so that we can be like, oh, let's make it a little bit more like this or a little bit more like this. And I know when we started writing it, we referenced uh, Teenage Dirtbag by Huitas for the chorus. And now listening to it, I'm like, no, I don't get that at all. But I'm so glad that I don't hear that. Not saying that Teenage Dirtbag is not an amazing song, it is. But it doesn't sound like gay girls. Um, but that's kind of that shows the the transition that we went in just being like let's do a really kind of choppy punk pop song and it changed it was it just became kind of more vast which I love and I love that that I think Tommy has uh, a lot to play in that kind of transition for us and so you talk about kind of this being a widescreen version of Pillow Queens could you have imagined this when you started the band a couple of years ago I don't know when exactly the band started were you happy with the sound initially but and could you have imagined that this is what you would become like this very kind of I mean anthemic is the word that comes to mind when I listen to the album I think we would have (laughs) we wouldn't have wanted to become this band then we were very like we wanted to sound scrappy we wanted to sound very like DIY and because we wanted to play tiny venues that were packed and sweaty and everything else that was just the kind of music that we were listening to and that we were into and then when it sort of I think it was when we started playing bigger stages we wanted to have bigger songs to play on bigger stages um 
but it never felt inauthentic to do that whereas I think if you'd said it to us at the beginning we would have been like okay well who do you think you are trying to write these big songs for stages you're never going to play on whereas we we kind of had to write the songs to catch up with the stages we were playing I don't know if that makes sense it's just a really interesting feeling I think the the moment that stands out for me was when we opened for Future Islands and we were on before Idols in a stadium in Dublin and it was a huge 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 stage our leads didn't even stretch from our amps to our guitars because that's how big the stage was and we had a version of gay girls then and when we played it we were like oh this is the kind of song that actually suits this environment whereas some of our older songs were just kind of getting lost and we were like no we want to write bigger songs for bigger stages for bigger venues so it's kind of like being self-aware I suppose and like having these conversations that you mentioned like sitting in the studio and talking about Donamede and how you want that to sound like it's important for a band to talk about what you want it to be and reassessing as you go I suppose yeah definitely I think I think we don't even though we take the band as a project really seriously we don't take ourselves massively seriously and we're not like concerned about how we're going to be perceived if something isn't technically right or whatever because the music that we listen to isn't like technically really brilliant but it, it, it is great and it really kind of as long as it's emotionally um lasting with people then that that to us is like that's what good music is so that's the kind of music that we want to make is like something real something that means something to us and something that we would listen to um so I th- that's just the way that we talk about music it isn't like oh but does does that make sense um which is actually one of the things that ourselves and Tommy have kind of butted heads on because he's like, but that doesn't make any sense. And we're like, it doesn't matter. Just do it. It'll be fine. In terms of just the sound or the lyrics or uh, kind of a <laughs> like mixture timing, of everything. Like everything. We'll just play something and he'll be like, how did you come to that? Why there? Why? And we're like, I don't know. It sounds good. And he's like, yeah, I suppose <laughs> it does. <laughs> is there any moment on the album that like you're particularly proud of that like you feel is like the, the kind of the peak kind of creative moment that you've had so far that's such a tough question definitely in terms of what we're proud of or what i'm proud of um was the way that donami the closing track came together because it really was all of us at the end anyway was all of us just getting into a room with like 10 amps all on all of the effects pedals turned right up on and just like make as much noise as you can and it just felt right and it just felt like that was the right way to end the album we knew as soon as we recorded it was going to be the album closer because it just felt like it captured everything that was happening in that moment that we felt in that moment our excitement about the album but also like our pride and what we'd achieved so far like all of it in this like one song like one half a song even but just when it kind of pushes off with the climax of the song we're like yes straight away we were just like this is this is it this is what pillow queens is now and I'm presuming like you're better musicians than you know you're always going to be like making that progression and like you're better musicians than you would have been when you started three or four years ago as well oh definitely like I mean I've said this before but myself and Pamela didn't know the names of the chords we were playing when we started the band and uh, Rachel and Kathy had to teach us what they were and we were just like oh put your finger on the third fret on the on the thick string like you know really talking like we'd no idea what we were talking about and yeah Kathy and Rachel were have kind of had a lot of music theory behind them and they had to teach us in some of the first practice sessions Kathy was literally handing us out worksheets to teach us music <laughs> fully I love it what was on the worksheets <laughs> like the chord names and the, like tabs and everything and we we wouldn't we didn't do the work either we were like nah we're a rock band we're not having a look no <laughs> so how did you learn guitar or how did you learn to play along with music I, when you were starting I, well I went for I went for like eight lessons in a college where I grew up or like near where I grew up and he always just used like numbers on the the fretboard so it was no, there was no like oh, okay. actual like chord names or whatever which was difficult because I tried to play music in school and they were like just play a G chord and I was like I don't know what that is which is kind of like I don't know I kind of like that though so it's, there's an access to music that you wouldn't ordinarily get so it's like you can play along without really knowing what you're doing so like I could read tabs because it was all just like music and finger placement and that kind of thing but like once it was chords I was like I don't know what a G is I do now but like at the time I was like no are you, are you a proper uh shredder now are you able God, to like no. hit all those notes or are you <laughs> not at all but 
we did we recorded a version of favorite for the album that didn't make it and when i was recording my bass parts for it there's like a video because we were, tr- we were trying to do a behind the scenes album thing that never happened and um, maybe one day we'll release it but um and the girls are like oh my god when did you get good because <laughs> it was like the one song that i really do kind of like go all over the fretboard of my fingers and i was like yeah i told you i was good <laughs> is that kind of like I, I mean you you mentioned it there like it is kind of nice having that kind of like naivety as well to it isn't it or that I don't know if it was a rule that you had at the start that like I don't want to know the names of the chords or anything it wasn't a rule but it was just I mean it was coming from a place of like I guess fear of getting things wrong we were like no it's fine well we can do it our own way you know that kind of thing so like when Kathy came in and was like how do you not know chords we we're like we're getting on with it aren't we we're writing the songs it's fine but like definitely there is um there's a fun in that like writing music where you don't really know what you're doing or if it does make sense is like fun is that kind of something uh, that's like in the music scene as well like that you almost don't want to know these things and like you're almost at odds with some of the other bands who you might have been playing with before like that they'd almost be watching you and sneering or something like that like oh I don't know the chords and stuff yeah i wonder because i remember early on we were somebody referred to us as a bim band um in an article and we were like oh we're not a bim band but like i love that people think that we went to school to study this that's great <laughs> it's like we all did weird things in college that have nothing to do with music and it's just like cool i'm glad you think that i spent my time wisely none, none of pillow queens went to bim you no, want to put that out no, there no they didn't pamela went to rock school for a bit uh but she dropped out what's rock school it was like a course i think it might still be a course in ballyferma college oh, okay but it was literally called rock school oh mm. cool no jack black or anything in sight or i mean maybe maybe if she'd gotten to like third year there would have been a <laughs> <laughs> i find it so strange that like bim school is kind of thrown around as an insult oh yeah like, no it's so weird i don't think that there's any kind of inherent levels in the dublin music scene no Maybe that like people would sneer at a band who like formed in BIM. I mean, it's almost hard to imagine where bands would would form otherwise sort yeah. of thing at the moment, isn't it? I think so. And I think it's a great way to form a community like any other kind of collection of of bands making music together. Like we're in uh, we rent a practice space in Yellow Door um, Music Studio. And there's a I'd say it's like 75 percent of the musicians who rent rooms in there are like BIM students or bim alumni or bim teachers there's some affiliation with bim anyway and like it's incredible like the community that's created around it is amazing we've never felt like we've been cast out because we didn't go to bim so like why not encourage each other i think it's a great collection of people and do you feel like a particular kind of dublin band like i mean you've got a song called liffy on the album you've got a song that closes it called donamede which you've referenced a couple of times already do you think there's anything particular dublin sounding or resonating about the album or is it just kind of like it's just in the blood i think it kind of both a little bit um i don't think we could write a song about anywhere else and it would feel right um i know pamela has said something about like when she was listening to a lot of like american rock bands or like kind of indie or americana bands and they'd always reference places in america that sounded so beautiful and mysterious <laughs> and like god i wish i could write a song like that and use a place name so she always wanted to include donamede in a lyric um i know that she's made fun of me because i was like we should use fingless in a song she's like that's not very poetic but anyway <laughs> maybe one day maybe uh, album number two <laughs> exactly we'll just name it fingless um but yeah i don't know i don't like it's not besides that i don't think it's been a like purposeful kind of endeavor to be like let's make sure that dublin's running through the veins of this album it just kind of is there because it's where we wrote it and it's where we played a lot of our first gigs and it's where we all met and yeah are you all from dublin no myself and pamela are from dublin rachel's from kildare and kathy's from arklow okay um i don't have any follow-up questions to that <laughs> to that i was just wondering basically um, we're better and they're worse that's fair so kind of maybe a double kind of question following on from that do you feel part of a particular scene in dublin like a particular guitar band scene and yeah maybe that part first yeah but no I'm, i mean it is a very guitar sounding album yeah and I feel like that I mean that's not an insult it's not a a criticism or anything like that but I think it, it could be a criticism of other bands sort of thing yeah. as well you know 
yes and no but no i think no more so than we feel a part of like a dublin scene so like when we're mentioned alongside say fontaine's dc we're like oh that's cool because people have a reference point in dublin and that kind of feels like the only reason that you'd mention us alongside them because like I love the two albums, but I don't think there's any Pillow Queen sound uh, in in either of those albums. But then if we were mentioned alongside, say, like Mango Mathman, I'd be like, what's the same thing for me? Because it's just like a Dublin reference point. It's not necessarily like because they're similar sounds. Whereas like myself and Mango grew up like around the corner from each other. So that kind of would make more sense, maybe. Um, But yeah, no, I think like I love the idea that there's even more guitar bands forming particularly with women in them I just love that I would kind of be hopeful that that's a scene that's sort of burgeoning in Dublin that's maybe like ready to to launch because there's like a lot of really cool female or non-binary bands forming in Dublin that like guitar is at the center of it and I really love that I'm really excited by that and that's what kind of feels fresh and exciting about your band that like you know you could throw it at like four lads playing guitars and being like oh it's just another guitar band but w- it does feel like something new and exciting with pillow queens that like it is this kind of guitar sound that does sound different to other stuff that's come before it i, d- I don't know I-, I haven't thought about it enough to have anything really really smart to say about it no i think it's like i've i'm always talking about uh scenes and that kind of thing with Alvaretti because she's launching her album October 2nd so we're kind of doing this whole Blur Oasis rivalry thing between each other um but anytime there's a like a reference to like Dublin guitar rock we're like but hold on why are they not mentioning the like lesbian guitar scene that's about to blossom in Dublin you know and it's like it doesn't have to be a joke like there's as many bands in Dublin as there is this like post-punk guitar scene that's happening which is obviously like really exciting and is thriving and stuff but then there's also this other really exciting thing that's happening all over Ireland with like female guitar bands that I think is really really exciting too yeah I don't know how much you want to get dragged into kind of a debate about it but like I mean I have talked to someone um on the podcast earlier this year who was kind of like it is very much a boys club and I don't know is that like is it actually uh obvious i was talking about it earlier today and like i'm very aware that like i like the murder capital i like fontaine's dc but i'm very much aware that like you know it's all lads uh all lads shouting and playing guitars and stuff i don't know if you want to be classed alongside that it does it is nice to have something different (laughs) i think it's cool that there's like a scene in dublin that's thriving outside of dublin i think that's great and even just people knowing irish music internationally like even with girl band is just really exciting because having Irish bands travel and succeed in what they're doing is paving the way for us and is paving the way for other like younger bands who want to do the same because it's no longer a thing of like well you're not you two or you're not you know I just I can't like there's not even that many reference points that I could I could use you know you're not a boy band so you're not going to do well it's like oh no there's now examples that I can look to where bands with guitars who are not doing like mainstream radio friendly songs are succeeding and that's like great cool so we can do that and alva can do that and bitch falcon can do that and sprints can do that and banreen can do that and it's just like cool now there's a there's a path that's there that we can follow and um, would you be disappointed if you read an article or if you hear a reference kind of saying like um all female quartet pillow queens because like i try to avoid that kind of usage i think it's kind of like a little bit redundant in itself like but are you very much aware that that is something that you're going to be kind of classed at particularly i guess internationally like i don't mind it it seems like it's a pretty it's lazy it's lazy and it's a kind of presumptuous in 2020 to just be like oh they seem like they're women will call them an all-female band it's just like oh well you don't actually know and maybe you should just be like less i don't know it seems provocative or something or it's like it's not necessary to be like this is for women and they're all gay like yeah so we're also good (laughs) it's i mean that doesn't define the band i'm guessing no i mean it's it's something something, that you'd be proud exactly it's something that we're happy to discuss because it's something that's maybe not discussed as often so like yeah let's talk about it but like we're not we're not kind of experts on being women or being gay or really being musicians at the end of the day but like (laughs) 
you know, like we'll chat about it all. <laughs> like, I, I don't know, I was talking to someone and they were like, if someone left Pillow Queens, it wouldn't be like the thing that like has to be someone who's queer who joins a band. It has to be a woman who joins the band. I know it would have to be. Oh, okay. I know it would. Like when we were forming, we were like, oh, well, yeah, no, it does have to be four queer oh, women. Okay, just, okay. just because it's like we've never done that before. We've and it's come like, this far. come this far. And like we've all been in bands before with like you know a group of guys or whatever and like it's obviously great because being in a band is great but like you have your own experiences that you want like-minded people who you're going to travel with and you want to make music with people who have the same interests and experiences as you do like it helps it really helps I think that's been like a really driving force behind Pillow Queens is like we all love the same things and we all have the same interests we all want to go to the same pubs after practice we all want to talk about the same things we listen to a lot of the same music so we love being around each other is brill so like if the all-female thing doesn't kind of quite define you do you think the queer thing kind of does yeah and well i mean define is such a like it's a complicated word isn't it like it doesn't define us but it's it's i don't know it's just generally a shared experience like i think even we'd want to if somebody did leave nobody's ever going to leave pillow queens first and foremost but if somebody did leave pillow queens nobody's going to do a brian mcfadden on this band okay just saying um but if that did happen god forbid uh, we would want somebody who had like a similar shared experience with us but like that wouldn't necessarily mean I don't know what that would look like you know it would just be I guess do we get on with them do we have similar interests and ethics and that kind of thing yeah um were, were y'all like out and like open with each other when you formed or is it something that's kind of like come, come along along the way as in about our sexuality or about our um yeah. just selves yeah i mean we were all yeah we definitely weren't kind of being secretive about it we knew that when we were like promoting ourselves that we were definitely gonna like i think we labeled our first band camp releases like queer punk <laughs> and i was like this is cool we also labeled it kathy's band because that was the name of the group chat at the time so like it didn't we didn't know that we were gonna be a real band at the time mm. we we're just putting shit out there um but i guess that feels kind of new and different as well like i mean i don't know if there were 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 there many other irish bands who are kind of uh like that maybe even internationally i don't know there's more there was more happening in the uk i think at the time there's a lot there is a lot happening in northern ireland at the moment in terms of the queer scene which i think is great and we we've played a few gigs up there um with bands who would like not label themselves but definitely celebrate the fact that they've got queer members and i think that's really cool and I think it's going to happen in Dublin more and more. Like we're getting we're getting comments and, and emails from, from bands who are like, oh, do you have any tips for like young queer bands starting out? And it's like, oh my God, cool. This is so great. Like I love this. I love the idea that in like even two years time, there could just be like so many bands in Dublin with like queer members. I guess that that's kind of almost like another pressure that's, uh, that's kind of uh, come along uh on on the way that to you releasing your debut album is that like you've got all of these like young fans who are kind of maybe um seeing themselves in ye and want to start a band like i don't know if that's almost like a different kind of pressure to like just releasing your debut album it's more exciting than it is pressuring um we you want to see what they come up with we want to see what they come up yeah. with we had bands like not many but we had bands that we looked up to when we were teenagers and i, d- I definitely didn't put i wasn't like you don't make a bad move you know I was kind of just watching what they were doing for even maybe guidance a little bit just to be like oh cool you do this maybe I'll have a look at what this means to me or whatever um but I think like nah it's not really pressure like we kind of operate a like we always talk about like we definitely don't have a manifesto but just like don't be a shithead and then like you're fine just don't be a dick to people and that's like the only way that you can kind of be a good role model and then just be authentic so be whatever you are and then also don't hurt anyone in the process that's a, a good way to live yeah let alone <laughs> run a band by yeah exactly um tell me about uh Alvaretti, who uh like i was kind of thinking like what's the what's the kind of question to frame like she's releasing her album in a couple of weeks it's also being recorded by tammy mclaughlin um like it's great to see uh her finally releasing a debut album mm. as well we can just fangirl about her if you want oh she's amazing oh sorry i meant to be pushing the rivalry thing here and uh, no she's terrible what a bad album that is it's a really good album it's yeah. a really really good album that's the worst thing 
<laughs> she's also self-releasing it isn't she she is yeah um have you kind of been almost like sharing your experiences of oh just... completely our our whatsapp chat is just a clipboard tweet like where we just put post information and like useful links and everything so like there's no there's not a conversation that we have that's not about music which is really annoying for especially her housemates because like go to her apartment and just talk about music constantly um but no it's been really useful to have like somebody to bounce ideas off and kind of vice versa and then just like helping each other with like graphics and like just soundboarding stuff has been really really good because she was meant to go to south by southwest as well we were meant to be traveling together and it was going to be this great thing and then obviously it didn't happen so but yeah no i mean she's doing great like her streams are off the wall like so so great um the album's gonna do amazingly she's she's brilliant that's exciting to think that there is this kind of burgeoning new scene uh coming through that you're kind of like a part of you know like uh rather than the the shouty male lads five pieces with their guitars it's going to be like a different looking scene in a couple of years yeah completely because it's funny when you mentioned it being uh like a boys club that's just not my experience at all and i know that we have a really great team around us like in terms of who our you know our booker is or who does our pr or whatever but like they're just we've loads of women working with us and it doesn't feel like it's a boys club at all um which is great i mean not to like there's great we have great men working with us as well like but it doesn't feel like it's an exclusive club that we can't have access to or anything because you know we're number three best band in ireland at the moment and (laughs) (laughs) we're women so oh wow i didn't even think about this list it didn't even cross (laughs) my mind i've Uh, been telling everyone who'll listen (laughs) (laughs) i've seen cmat say that uh she's is she a number 23 or a number 28 yeah she did she did wow, number three yep uh i don't know if we need to talk about the lit like what is there to say I, I all that there is to say is that we're number three that's all that matters uh denise child is number one yes. and who's number two fontaine's dc fontaine's dc was this your list actually no thank <laughs> you not my not my list uh I have many lists floating around my head, <laughs> yeah. but that would not be one of them. I've always thought of doing like a power rankings of lists of like bands who are kind of hot right now, who yeah. are like just about to release an album. Uh, I don't really see if I were ever to have run that list over the past 10 years that the likes of uh, Van Morrison and U2 would be in the top 50 at any stage. Yeah, I don't. I, like, but they I are don't, in this list. I don't understand it. It's funny because I was like, as soon as we shared it, it was like, because I could think of a ton of acts off the top of my head main one saint sister i'm sorry but they're one of the best bands in the whole country they, they, weren't, weren't, in the they pop- weren't on the list it's completely glaring omission um but there were tons of acts that i was like ah, oh, you should have included them but then like what was the criteria of the list you know all these questions so when we were sharing it it was like okay well obviously delighted to be included but also we don't really agree with comparing artists one against the other because it doesn't make any sense so yeah i do like that you can just win an argument though just by like you're talking to a number three (laughs) (laughs) i I have done that (laughs) um maybe coming back to the creative process of pillow queens tell me about how you go about say writing a song i don't know if you want to pick one song off the album in particular like how you actually go about writing like are you is it a very much a collaborative affair vocally or is it kind of you and Pamela who maybe share the the the, um, writing duties it is massively collaborative I couldn't if I was to take one song off the album it that process wouldn't mirror any other process um each one of them was completely different which is weird but we haven't really settled on an exact way to write a song yet (laughs) I don't know if we ever will because sometimes they just come out of nothing and you're like how did this song form i've no idea or else we've had like say holy show which opens the album we played that at our very first gig in late 2016 we played a version of that song and then we shelved it we were like nope terrible song and our manager was like no 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 you got to get that song back out. That's an amazing song. That's like one of the reasons I wanted to work with you was that song. And we're like, no, I don't want to. It's boring. And then he honestly like pushed Th- and pushed. This is James. James is Byrne. Yeah. He's a legend and he's helped us out so he much with this release. Song, at the first gig? He was there at the second gig. He came to see us at Whelan's Once to Watch. Um, but I've known James for years um, because I worked with an old bandmate of his years and years ago. So I'd kind of met him a few times and I ended up at a gig with him in Whelan's maybe six months before Pillow Queen started. 
we went to see a band who are now Huen Young, but I'm not sure what the name of the band was then, or at least there were certain members in of Huen Young in the band, and we got chatting. Uh, so when he heard that we had an, that I had a new project, he was like, "Oh, cool, come check it out." And he was like, "Oh, I really want to work with this band like instantly." Um, but one of the reasons he said was the song "Holy Show." So when we went up to record the album with Tommy, we didn't intend on recording "Holy Show," but James made sure to tell Tommy to record holy show we're like no we don't want to we're actually just like children having a tantrum just being like don't want to no and he's like we'll just do a version of it and then if you don't like it, we'll scrap it we're like okay and we we just did a version of it and then we're like oh never mind actually this is really good let's work on this and then we kind of pushed for that um but yeah like there's literally no kind of one format that's worked for us so far it's definitely not a case of like one person writing a song or two people writing a song because I think that's maybe what makes writing with Pillow Queens as fun as it is, is that it's not just you in the song. Because if it is just you in a song, it's really vulnerable and horrible. It's not a nice feeling. Whereas if it's four people in a song, four opinions, four like voices, whether that's even like a drum sound or like a harmony or whatever that is, it just kind of takes that vulnerability out of it and it becomes like an anthem more so. Because you're like, oh, all these voices are amplifying what I'm feeling and it's, it's just kind of nice. But yeah, now that we have our practice space, because we didn't for so long have a space where we could just go together and write for ages, and now we do, and we practically live there. So it's become like way, 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 way more collaborative than it ever was. Um, Holy Show is the one that opens the yeah. album, is it? Um, like that first line is just, I, I just love the kind of the scene setting that it is. I'm still a baby. Yeah. <laughs> I love that so much because that I've that to me is probably like the most like defining lyric on the album because it's just like I think our our generation is so we all expected to be you know homeowners at this stage and like have families and all this kind of thing and we're all just like why are we still babies why is this not changing for us what like when my mom was my age she had me and my sister and a home and a car and a full-time job and I'm like I have maybe three pieces of art that I'm delighted that I've obtained, you know, like, and this is all I have to show for myself. Which, like, and you can still be very much proud of. I think that that's the thing about, like, you know, telling people you're doing fine, yeah. you know? It's so strange, like, especially in the middle of a pandemic and releasing an album and stuff, because people are like, how are you? And I'm like, well, I could tell you the bad side of things, but we're we're putting out an album and we've pre-sold loads of them and people think it's good and I'm good. This is great yeah by my standards yeah anyway <laughs> yeah um and continuing with uh the album who's the harvey on the uh song called harvey is it harvey from sabrina yeah harvey kinkle from yeah. sabrina yeah of course uh big influence on pillow queens sabrina oh, yeah. the teenage witch all of that like time of like tv and and particularly films from that kind of era have really been all over our music all over our music like especially kind of rom-coms or like teenage sort of yeah like clueless and notting hill and you've got mail and all those terrible movies it's just like yeah they're all there now you've got mail i was just saying at the weekend on twitter that i think it's one of the best rom-coms of all time and i watched it on saturday night i think it was what a film i think it's i think it's the best one that tom hanks and meg ryan have made together this is the perfect time to watch you've got mail because that could that's happening right now it's all these people behind their computer screens it's not like it just feels like it could be made now and you wouldn't notice there's an amazing scene where the cranberries actually score this scene that's early on in the film it's early on and meg ryan is like walking through i assume new york city i think it is and they're all opening their shutters for the first time in the morning and it's just like this idea of like a post pandemic society when the cities are reopening. I watched it recently. I Well, I watched it all the time, but I watched it recently and I got really emotional because I was like, oh my God, remember shops? And I was like, oh God, this is terrible. I've been in lockdown too long. <laughs> I can relate. I would watch it all the time as well. I think it's on Netflix as well. Yeah, it's so, really good. So uh, maybe we should just watch it like every fortnight, every month leading up to Christmas because it's set around Christmas. Not to get distracted too much by You've Got Mail, but why is Meg Ryan closing her shop before Christmas? I mean, you wait until the new year. You wait until like January 7th or 8th and then you shut the store, don't you? I guess so. But she's being shoved out by this huge... 
company. I, I think she makes the decision to close. She's very emotional. I mean, she it's getting up to Christmas, which is a real emotional time anyway. And she's dealing with the death and everything. Like, she doesn't want to have to think about that again. She's just going to close up and be like, look, I've given up on the dream of making it's her mom's bookshop, right? Yeah. A reality. She's like, nope, I quit. I stand by Meg. I suppose so. Um, I mean, I do- God, I don't. I'm like, don't give up on your dreams. I don't really stand by Meg at all. But like in that moment, I'm like, yeah, fair. Your yeah. feelings are valid. Man, <laughs> what a film. It's a great movie. What a film. Um, what What else was I going to ask you about the <laughs> album? Um, How do I look? Is I mean, that's a song that you kind of take the, the lead on. Is that kind of a subject that uh maybe you wouldn't have heard in song beforehand it's kind of like about m- maybe people judging your look and you being like well fuck fuck everybody sort of thing yeah it's a weird one that god i remember there's so many lyrics that i've written that i have no recollection of writing them because i write them like late at night or like on my phone and passing or whatever but like i sat down with like a sketch pad and like a crayon or something and I, I think it was a crayon and I wrote out the lyrics to this just in one sitting and it's like it goes it's it's a long song as well so it spans like four pages of a sketchbook and then I wrote the melody over it like all within probably about an hour and then it was like whoo okay I don't know what I'm gonna do with that song because I actually wrote that song years ago um and I didn't really have anywhere to put it so then when Pillow Queen started I was like I kind of have this song maybe what do you think and like the girls were as ever very very supportive and were like it's not ready but let's write it and like kind of basically we all sat down and wrote it together um and yeah definitely like sharing the lyrics for the first time was like this is weird I've never done anything like this before because usually I'd try and write more cryptically or like not about something that's as close to me personally um so it was definitely something that I that I was uncomfortable with at the beginning and then when the girls were so like no this is actually really really good um I was more confident about sharing it but right up until we launched that single I was like I don't want to put it out like I just really I wanted it to be like an album track or like a b-side or just never put it anywhere just like a live track that you could maybe hear the lyrics ish sort of but the idea of putting it out as a single was like oh god no people are going to be able to actually listen to these words and know that i've had these thoughts and that was weird and just made me feel really too open um but yeah no it's not like it's not something i think of when i'm writing a song i'm like has this been written before am i doing somebody a favor by writing this i was writing it purely from a place of i want to write about this which is probably how I read everything. And how do you feel about that song now? Are you happy like that it is out there that you've kind of like, does it feel almost like a weight is lifted off you? Like, what was I worrying about? It definitely feels like a weight was lifted off me, but I, I not, what was I worrying about? Cause I still kind of, I'm like, oh, that was a real personal song. Um, but I'm, it kind of opened the doors to be able to do that again, because I was like, oh, it's actually one of the songs that landed maybe best, in terms of like lyrics that I've written anyway. Um, like streaming was good for it. And like it's always something that lands really well at live shows and stuff. It's funny I shouldn't care about streaming. But uh, I do. And <laughs> so I was like okay this is something that maybe I would write about again. Or at least like a theme that I would write about again. And you mentioned the other Pillow Queens being uh, like totally supportive of you during the kind of you bring the song to the table. Is that something that's just been constant throughout, like no kind of um, criticism of an idea that's brought to the table? Definitely no criticism. A lot of slagging because otherwise it would feel unnatural. (laughs) What's the difference? Criticism is where you're like, that's bad. But slagging is like, oh, you care about things, huh? <laughs> you and your feelings. Exactly. Oh my God, the amount of times I'm slagged for having feelings and pillow queens. Jesus. <laughs> I'm definitely the most emotional one of pillow queens. Actually, no, it could be Rachel. Me and Rachel are the most emotional ones. Um, and so, like, what what are you hoping uh, to achieve from the album? Is it kind of like, kind of a wait and see at the moment? Yeah, well, I mean, everything is, I suppose, but... We want to tour extensively, which is a weird goal to have in this current climate. Um, But we recently started getting some Australian radio play, 
which is really exciting for us because that was one of the first things we put on our goals list as a band. We're like, we want to go to Australia. We don't know how we're going to do it. We don't know why they'd have us over there, but we want to do it. And now we've kind of made some connections over there that we're like, cool, we could potentially do that one day. And Courtney Barnett started following us on Instagram the other day. Oh my God, I freaked out so much. Anyway, sorry. (laughs) So that could be uh, something that we potentially do down the line. Um, I don't know. I would love to just be taken seriously as a band so that now when somebody is like so what do you do I could be like I'm a musician and actually mean it whereas like god I've worked in tech for the last two years just trying to like afford to live and it would be amazing to not have to do that so yeah that's the goal I suppose just be able to live off playing music I mean we've talked about all of the bad the bad side of lockdown you not being able to go over to uh south south by southwest and uh like having to push the album back a little bit have you been using it to kind of uh like go back into the studio where you say that you've been uh practically living at this stage and kind of making the next stage of pillow queens like looking towards the future absolutely so for the first half of lockdown where obviously we had to stay in our house i was not feeling creative in the slightest i was just like nope i'm not doing anything That doesn't involve making bread. That's the most creative I'm going to be, as was everybody, I assume. Um, But when restrictions were eased a little bit and we could kind of hang out, um, we've been back in the studio or our recording or our practice space, rather, and just kind of messing around with stuff, not even like fully forming songs, but maybe trying to figure out what our next sound is going to be or like our focus for the next album like we do definitely want to do another album soon maybe not as soon as like Fontaine's did A Hero's Death because that was monumentally soon but definitely we want to have something else out soon um because we've had the album recorded since like January so we're ready to do new things yeah that's probably the next thing it's a weird one because we've never had as much time usually we're touring or we're gigging or playing sports lots or something and we haven't had any time we don't usually have time to write as much and now we've got loads of time and it's it's obviously a luxury but it's a really strange scenario to be in yeah i imagine just losing out on festival season and all of this gig playing like when gigs eventually do come back uh, in some capacity i think bands are going to be so rusty aren't they they're just going to be like Definitely. how do we do this how yeah. do we do stage banter oh god don't even talk about that i mean we've never been particularly prepared in that front but we we had to play well, we had like a practice session the other day um, but we had to do it on front of somebody and we were so so rusty it was terrible we had to just like keep starting again just be like okay we'll try again okay we'll try again but then our PA system started giving us electric shocks and everything was against us it was terrible it'll get better <laughs> we'll get better it'll it's get fine better. the record's good <laughs> nobody cares yeah. there's no gigs anyway um uh just before we finish up do you feel like anything is particularly different now than like even a year ago when you were recording like do you already feel like even that you've hit that next level yeah actually i do um it's weird because it could have gone either way and obviously like there's the album's not out for another kind of week and a bit but we've gotten some really positive feedback um it seems to be landing in the way that we wanted it to land. Like nobody's kind of scratching their head going, what is this record about? Like the themes are kind of sitting with people and they're kind of getting this the thing that we wanted people to get from it. Um, and now we have done the album. So it was this like huge thing that we needed to do. It was like, yeah, okay, fine. You've done this, you've done this, but do you have an album? And now we do have the album. So it's like, right, we can go, we can happily move on to the next step now. Great. So the last time that I talked to you, uh, you were just about to go out uh, on tour with Soak. That was like May 2019. Yeah. Uh, how was the tour with Soak? I mean, she's another one who I guess you would kind of put alongside, say, you and Alva's kind of like uh, this out there queer artist making like really big. She's making big pop music at the moment and she's doing great. But how was it to tour with her and kind of like see the ropes of these these long tours? That you've got to do it was amazing like it was completely life changing gen- genuinely um we were meant to be recording the album in that month and we put it off to take the tour and it was the best decision we ever made because i think a lot of the songs that we put on the album were formed on that tour and tommy plays with tommy also plays Soaked with Soak. Well, so, so then like tommy was more familiar with the songs because he'd seen them live and kind of knew our vibe a lot more after that 
Was he giving you pointers kind of along the way? Like not at all. No, no, not at all. God, no, he's not like like Tommy on tour is is a different person. Like Tommy (laughs) on tour is like Tommy is not Tommy the producer on tour. So like (laughs) Tommy's fun on tour. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but no, like I mean, what Soak does is another level. Like they've been playing live since they were like. 15 or something like that and like signed to rough trade really young i've had a completely different experience in the music industry than any of like pillow queens have had so we learned so much just being on that tour and even like learned so much about like playing music or playing live or the kind of preparation that you need to put in or like how to do kind of those long stints of tour like we really took a lot away from that and it was also the best fun we've ever had in our entire lives it was just like summer camp on a tour bus across europe amazing and they're just like all of them the whole team behind soak are just amazing really really great but um we're doing we've just announced a tour i'm gonna have to do a plug i'm so sorry yeah I, that, that but, was going okay, to be my good. last question like today we're talking <laughs> on, on the day that you've announced uh, exactly tour, yeah uk we've, and ireland UK uh, and next ireland. february march next february march april and may so like it's kind of staggered Um, hopefully we can go ahead with them i really Fingers hope crossed. the gigs happen but um yeah we're doing all the good spots Um, we've announced today there's hopefully a cork date in the works as well which wasn't announced today but i'm fairly confident there's going to be one coming through we're playing um like the pies as well which we've never done before it's like this tiny venue we've been dying to play Um, we're playing our first headline in the button factory in dublin which is huge for us the biggest venue we've done here like a headline anyway um and then yeah we're doing the lexington in london we're doing like a few uk dates so yeah i really 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 hope it goes ahead because i can't wait to get gigging again that's where pillow queens belong is on the stage on that note i guess we'll finish uh tickets are on sale for all of those gigs by the time people will hear this and the album uh will be out in a couple of days um and people should probably not sit on it because i think you've sold out of a lot of the the vinyl yeah we sold uh, out of our own ones so you can still buy them on kind of online well actually by the 25th by the day we release we'll have restocked so you can get them from us or different records shops rough trade have them um tear records have them that kind of thing so Cool. Well, uh, best of luck with it. Best of luck with the rest of 2020 uh, and with maybe more so uh, 2021 and hopefully <laughs> some sort of normality coming back to things. Thanks, Anne.